Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Warden. My guest today is Giusy Moretti. Giusy's family winery is in the Montefalco region of Umbria. It's called Moretti Omero. Yes. Why the name Moretti Omero? Who was Omero Moretti? Omero is my father, and uh, in the area it's uh, quite normal to have an unusual name. In fact, Omero is an ancient Greek poet. Really? Yes. And so my name is Juicy, very normal name, because my grandfather was named Giuseppe. It's a Catholic name. But uh, after the Second World War, a lot of people had a not Catholic name, because of the resistance. Okay. So that's why. So tell us a little bit about your, your family estate. How big is your vineyard and whereabouts is it in uh, the Montefalco area? Which comune are you in? Which village are you in? We are in Giano dell'Umbria. That is uh, the highest one in sea level, I mean. The highest, the highest village in the Montefalco area? Yes. So how high? We are at 540, Meet- but not all 540 our... meters. meters. That's pretty high. Not all our uh, vines are at that level. Medium level is uh, 400. That's still quite high though, isn't it? Yes, yes. So is it easy to ripen the Sagrantina there? It's, a, it's quite a hard grape to get ripe, isn't it, sometimes? Well, the sugar is pretty high, usually. Okay. But the problem is our tannins. So we have a lot of work to do, especially because uh, Sagrantino vines produce a lot of leaves and in organic farming we have to have uh, the grape very clean without leaves to permit the copper and the sulfur to be sprayed on the grapes. How, how big is your vineyard? We have got uh, 13, very difficult. 13 hectares? <laughs> 13 <laughs> hectares. And That's vineyards. Uh, and you have olives as well? Yes. How much? How many 16 olives? 16 olives. 16 Good. trees or 16 hectares? 16 hectares. Uh, 16 trees isn't going yes, to get you very far. <laughs> and do you, have any other, do you have any other crops, cereal crops or animals? No, we are specialized on vineyards and on olive grove. So all your, your estate is in just one place? You don't have vines in different villages or do you? In this part of Umbria, our property is very divided into pieces because we bought some fields each year by year. Does that make organic farming difficult? If you have neighbours that are spraying things that are not allowed in organics, does that make it tricky? Yes, it's very, very tricky because uh, Sagrantino is a late uh, harvest one and uh, it produces a lot of leaves. So we have to cut the leaves five times or also six times per vintage. That means a lot of work. That is good because you can stay outside <laughs> a lot of hours. But then you have to make uh, all the job in the office. So okay, so it's pretty what, hard. What you're saying with organic, especially with Sagrantina, it's prevention rather than cure. To avoid disease, you've got to go out there and make sure that around the grape bunches, you have to pluck away some leaves to make sure that the bunches a ripen and get some sun, and they get the airflow they need to stay healthy. Correct. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your family. My family is a um, <laughs> very, very funny one. The, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> the capo familia, the boss, is my grandma. Okay. She's from Montefalco. What's so her name? Quinta. Quinta? That is uh, the fifth. 
She was the fifth it in her family. Because she was the fifth daughter. How many other children? Family. How many other brothers and sisters did she have? Seven. Okay. Seven. Contraception obviously wasn't a big big issue in those days. I'm joking. Ah uh, no 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 before no, but because they need some people to help them to cultivate it. Uh, vines uh, they had uh, they used to have the sagrantino the family of my grandma the family of my grandfather not really because mm-hmm. they were not specialized so they put together um, malvasia grechetto all together my grandma family used to give uh, the grapes to scacciadiavoli another winery so you used to sell the, they used to sell the grapes to scacciadiavoli she <coughs> used to sell uh, grapes to scacciadiavoli because scacciadiavoli was the bigger one and uh, they used to call uh, the cantinone, the big uh, cantina okay. for all, all right. the people. In terms of um, the Sagrantino, so apart from Sagrantino, what else do you make? Which other wines do you make? We make also Grechetto, mm-hmm. that is the mostly cultivated variety in Umbria, more than Sangiovese. So you make, that as, a, you make that as a dry white wine? Yes, as a fresh one. And what are the typical flavours of Grechetto? The final almond, almond uh, taste. Nutty. So, Grechetto, Sagrantino. And also Spoletino, that is a grape that was cultivated also in the past, here in the area. It's named after the municipality of Spoleto, very close from here. And uh, we produced a, mes- a method classico with uh, Spoletino grape. A classic, spark- a classic method sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. So what are the flavours of the Spoletino? Spoletino as a, is as a dry white wine. Pretty aromatic wine and it has got uh, a late uh, ripening such as Sagrantino. So it's pretty hard to have uh, until mid-October two of our best grapes still on the vines. Is that very it's pretty d- stressing for us. So with these two late ripening grapes, the Spoletino for white wine and the Sagrantino for red wine, you say both are quite vigorous, they produce quite a lot of yes. leaves. How do you make sure that the bunches stay healthy? We ensure that uh, the grapes arrive very healthy at our cantina, cutting off uh, the leaves. And it is very important, and we repeat this uh, work, this job, five, six times per year. So when you say taking away leaves, where are you taking the leaves from? From the top of the vine or the bottom? of the vine from the bottom where uh, the grapes are uh, placed so you're getting you're getting a lot of airflow through there by taking these leaves away yes prevention rather than cure obviously umbria is very well known as a tourist region do you do direct sale are people do people come to your winery and say we really want to try your wine because you're organic or they just come to your winery and say we just want a bottle to buy a bottle of wine because we're in umbria and we want to take something home Uh, usually they come in our in our cantina because they taste it in a restaurant and they really enjoyed the wine so they visit us but some of them they book before the guided tour and uh, we are pretty well known also for uh, cooking for really? cooking uh, lessons oh you have a cooking school yes really yes well, me good. and my grandma oh that's nice yes and you can see in our website some recipes we tape it air while she's cooking because we want to preserve the way of making pasta because it's uh, an ability that probably will be lost. So how does your grandmother make pasta? What makes it... Exceptionally, in an exceptional way. Go on, explain. (laughs) 
What is the classic way of making pasta? What are the ingredients for pasta, first of all? In the past, they used to put also wine in the dough. In the dough? Yes. Really? Yes. But how, do you, how do you make the dough? Just let's keep it. How do you make the dough, first of all? So you put the flour on the table. You make, uh, you make a sort of crasher. Make a little, um, yeah, like a, you make a little... Crasher. So you make a mound of uh, flour. A mound and a flour with a hole. Then a little, um, yeah, like a crater in the top. Yes. And then... And you put eggs. If you have... So eggs, when you say eggs, the yellow of the egg or the white of the egg or the whole egg? No, the whole egg. The whole egg, okay. Yes. And if you have vegan people at your table, don't say that you put <laughs> eggs. I'm saying it because we have, we have been making also vegan class because uh, probably you don't expect it. It, but uh, Umbrian Cucina is traditionally vegan because really? in the past we, they don't have so many money to afford uh, having so much meat really? in the so table. Traditionally it's a lack of money, poverty meant yes. meat was seen as a real luxury. Yes. So how do you make the pasta? Flour, eggs and water. So you start with the flour? Yes. You put... Uh, you, not me. <laughs> you never see me cook. <laughs> we are teacher. <laughs> you need you need you, several you need several teachers for me. I think you can repeat easily. The whole team, coach load of them. <laughs> you put the flower in a table with a shape of a mountain. A little and hill then, of a little hill of flower. Yeah. Yes, and then you make a, an hole. It would be similar to a crater. A crater. Yeah. You break the eggs and you put inside the crater. So the white and the yellow. Yes. And then you take the fork and you make a, a vortex of flour and eggs and move and move and move again. So you mix them together. Then you put uh, water, but it has to be warm water, not hot and not cold. And you mix together with the... With the, um, sort of the, with the back of your hand. Correctly. That's the secret. So you just... You keep mixing together. For how long, roughly, does it take for everything to combine? Depending on the strength of your of your hands. For my grandma, you need just one minute. And for, for you? the rest of the people, five minutes. Okay. <laughs> Even if she's uh, eighty-four, she's got a lot of uh, strength. So then, when, when it's mixed together, then you shape the um, the dough into the pasta that you're making. What is the traditional shape of pasta in Umbria, in this part of Umbria? The traditional shape of pasta is uh, a square section. Square? Yes. Okay. Is it a flat square then? Yes. It's almost, it's almost like you're making ravioli then, isn't it? Because the flattened dough has to be about... A, uh, one centimetre thick. Half centimetre. Half a centimetre thick. And then you have to cut a half centimetre too. Oh, you cut them in half, lengthways. Yes. Ah, and then when so how when you put the pasta in the water to cook it, how many minutes would that normally take to cook? Not so much time. You don't need so much time because uh, it's already cooked because it's just flour and uh, water and some wine. So just three minutes. So which sauce would go on top of that? I know you talk about vegetarianism, but if it, would it be a meat sauce or a, or a vegetarian sauce? What would two options be for the for the sauce on the top of the pasta? Usually when you put wine instead of water in it, that is the traditional recipe, you put just pomodoro, tomato, pomodoro, tomato with onion. So that is vegetarian. And but other choices would be? You can also make a ragu made of rabbit. Rabbit meat. Yeah. And uh, usually we put also some sausages as usual. With tomato as, as well though? 
Yes, with tomato and sausages. But sausages like, I mean, ground sausage meat, quite small, not huge pieces of sausage. A grounded pieces of sausages. And my mum, she put on top of everything sausages. Really? Yes. She a big lady? Yes, yeah. she yeah. is. <laughs> Definitely, she is. <laughs> she puts on everything. She would like to put also on breakfast okay. time. Well, she should live in England. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Sausages, eggs and bacon for breakfast. She, uh, yes, she, probably. Very happy, yeah. How easy is it being an organic winery in Umbria? We always think of Umbria as the green heart of Italy. It's, it can be quite wet. Is it easy or difficult seeing as that you've got these vigorous varieties, these quite leafy varieties uh, in Sacrantino and Grechetto? It's pretty difficult. In fact, for us, the best vintages were the 2015 and the 2017 because we had the occasion to have very healthy grapes without working so much. (laughs) Makes sense, no? (laughs) Because they were very sunny vintages and uh, we had no problems, very big bunches and uh, without any diseases. You're obviously a fairly fairly historic organic estate here from the early 1990s. Is there a lot of communication between the organic growers in this part of Umbria or do you just everybody just does their own thing? Do you collaborate with each other? Are you friendly with each other? Yes, yes, a lot. Why does that help? It helps a lot. And uh, Consorto della Vini Montefalco. So the Montefalco Growers um, Group organization. Made uh, a tutoring about uh, the pruning and also we collaborate all together recording the temperature levels with some uh, meteo station mm-hmm. together with the consortium when did, that, Montefalco. when did that project start whose it's, idea was that was that the growers did the growers get together and say listen it would really make sense if we all collected information about you know climate data rainfall sunshine hours and and shared the data whose idea was that everybody together so that's quite unusual we always think um it's a very stereotypical view but you know italians are very individualistic they don't really collaborate with each other but you're saying absolutely not the case in montefalco you are working as a team you're individuals but you're working as a team yes and is organics grow here. Are more wineries going organic or not? We were the first one but nowadays there are about five, six organic farming because nowadays it's easy to be an organic cantina. Why? Because the customers understand the value of making this incredible and very hard job on the vines. But before, in the beginning, I used to go at the fairs with my father and uh, we had to not say that it was organic. So you had to keep it a secret? Yes. Why? Because there, there were a lot of prejudices about organic wine. Lots of prejudices. All the people used to, to think that it was no good because it was organically made. And now that, it's the reverse. It's fancy to be an organic farmer. Fancy, that's a nice word. <laughs> so is that also a bit disappointing if people come to your winery and say, Look, I don't care what it tastes like, it's organic and I know I can sell it because it's organic or biodynamic because that's the trend now, like especially you know, sommeliers and influencers want organic and biodynamic. Would you rather just people come to your winery and say, Moretti o Mero, they make great wine, I'm going to buy a bottle. Would you prefer that? Or are you very proud to be organic? Like organic? I am such proud of being an organic farmer, so I, I feel very good when people people come and say even if the vintage is 
not perfect. I really appreciate the work you made with your father, with your sister, with your mother. And uh, I will buy it uh, even if it's not perfect because we are obsessed by keeping the parfums of the grape, uh, by keeping the best way of making the wine, not about the perfection of mm. the wine. Okay, so slight imperfection is okay. Yes. So what about the social aspect of organic? Do you have more, because you're organic, do you have more employees? Do you spend more money? Yes. How much more Correct. expensive is it for you to be organic in the vineyard? Twenty 20% more? Even more. Because if you are a conventional winemaker, you can put some products on the vines and they will resist for a month. If you are in the organic winemaking, you have to work more and more. So we have some employees. We have workers from Macedonia. They have a cooperative. They work um, all together. They are about uh, 15 people coming all together. So it's um, very fantastic for us because in one day they make a nectar. And what are they doing? They're taking leaves away to make um, to give the grapes the bunches a bit more sunlight and air to prevent disease? Yes. So they're quite skilled. Yes. And, they're they very, and you say they're quick as well. Very quick and it's very good for us. What about um, wildlife? Have you noticed what kind of wildlife do you have? Do you have uh, Caprioli here, um, Bambi, um, Roebuck? Perfect ba- Bambi, Bambi to Bambi. be cooked. Yeah, you prefer to eat Bambi, yeah, because they can be a bit of a pain, Bambi, when she comes in and eats all the grapes and the buds in the, in the early spring. What about wild boar? You have wild boar? Yes. Are they a real problem? Uh, yes, they are. Until they end be- up in your grandmother's, in your grandmother's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, 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 not so much of a problem. We have also a lot of wolves. Wolves? Really? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So what are your main markets for your Sacrantino? Our main market is North Europe and Central Europe, more than the States. So about the two areas that we would say can be quite cold. Do they? Do clients in those two areas take the wines because Sacrantino's got a big warming yes. wine? Is that the reason why? Yes. So they're not afraid of a, a red wine that's quite forthright and quite tannic? Correct, because they have very dark days and they need something to be... <laughs> got these poor people. Oh dear, yes. how can they live in these countries? <laughs> but, uh, you know, staying alive with a glass of Sagrantino. You know, they get rationed every day. It's the sun, day. it's yeah. the sun for them. We export the sunshine in <laughs> bottles. Well, that's a good strap line for a, a Sagrantino tourist. Um, yeah, if, if, the, if Moretti Omero never works out, if, if something terrible happens, then you could always work for the PR department. You know, glass of sunshine, that's a good line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Right, let's talk about your sparkling wine. What do you, your classic method sparkling wine, what is that made from? It is made from Spoletino grape and it is a 30 months on the lease one. And uh, it was a desire from me because I was intended to enter in uh, my father's cantina, but it's pretty difficult to collaborate, father and daughter. And so we tried with a neutral wine. I mean, uh, Sagrantino is pretty traditional one and uh, there were no way to be into this production so so we decided to, to do together something new in that way I can uh, enter my father's way of making wine so you're saying you're making a sparkling wine which is white from red grapes from Sagrantino no from San, from no Sagrantino from Spoletino okay did you want to make one from Sagrantino not really because uh, from in the Sagrantino skin there are a lot of prune and uh, 
I know that uh, the Pruin ruins the bubbles. The Pruin, which is the um, white film around the on the grapes. Yes. Why does that ruin the bubbles? Because it's fatty. Okay. And it's not good. It will be so difficult to make a Mezzo Classico from Sagrantino grape. So you make it from a white wine grape instead. Yes. And how dry is it? I mean, how much sugar, how much residual sugar does it contain? Technical question, but it's uh, nine grams per liter because we don't add uh, any Dosage. sugar in the liqueur de expedition. And how long does it stay on the lees normally in bottle before you disgorge it? Thirty months. That's on quite the long, lees. isn't it? Yes. Why do you leave it so long on the on the lees? Because we want the best quality that we can do. Okay. And what does that add? That aging, extra aging. Does it make it more creamy, creamy tasting? Exactly. Creaming bubbles and also the perfumes will be more and more refined. So which perfumes are you getting, apart from obvious kind of buttery, biscuity flavours? What else are you getting in there? Also the floral part of the Spolettino grape. Okay. So if you have a sparkling Spolettino, your traditional method Spolettino, and you have a, uh, just a normal, still dry Spolettino, can you see... If you smell them both, are you going to have similar smells or does the fact that the champagne style, sorry, the traditional method style has been aged on the lees? Are they very, very different or can you see that they're the same, same origin? You can recognise the fruity notes, the same ones. Which are, what fruity notes are they? They are, for to be an Umbria one, they are pretty um, yellow fruits such as uh, peach, very ripened. Ripe peach, yep. But the rest is pretty different because uh, the leaves very are very invasive to the the perfume and so they they change they make a tertiarization of tertiary aromas. So what is it? What would you if you're having a sparkling wine? Normally people drink it on its own. But if I'm if I'm in the kitchen with your grandmother, what would she? What dish would she make for a sparkling wine? For your sparkling wine, your um, tra- sparkling. Unfortunately, she doesn't drink any white wine. She thinks that white wines are not good. Okay. Because she's from Montefalco and she cannot drink any white wines. <laughs> For my father, she was a terrible mother. Okay. I mean, she's this is always... all being recorded, you know that, don't you? <laughs> but it's the truth. She's always demanding a better quality of red wines. Right. So the only answer for my father was concentrated him into white wines because she doesn't drink any white wines. So basically, because she doesn't drink white wine, he has a bit of peace, yeah. Yes. Because she doesn't drink that. You know, I'm gonna. I think we should forget the podcast. I need to make a TV documentary on your family. Uh, yes. Why I, I think not? There's a lot, I think there's a lot of material there. That yes. we, could, we could be looking at like a fly on the wall. Yes. Um, you know, like a 12 month show would be great. Please come with a psychologist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could probably have probably need two one for the production team and one for the family it's <laughs> that's better so what it, do you, are you positive about the future for Sagrantino yes 10 years ago it was seen as a very tough wine even 20 years ago a very tough almost unsellable wine now it's really in fashion there's a real boom of um, new blood here um, money coming in people establishing wineries have, have do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing it's a very good thing Why? to have uh, people from North uh, Italy coming here and uh, funding new winery and uh, it's also very good to have uh, young winemakers that are uh, helping the denomination Montefalco to be more and more famous because the more you are uh, uh, young the, the more possibility you have to be 
in the global market uh, and to be that's okay and so what just what is the percentage of wine that you sell directly from your winery you have presume you have tourists that people can come and buy and how much do you and what is the percentage that you export the export is the 40 percent of the production so what when people come what to umbria mean? and they maybe as tourists and they are on a tourist trip and they don't know much about wine when they taste sagrantino for the first time mm-hmm. in your winery are they what is their normal reaction if they if they don't have any preconceptions you know we're in the wine trade oh it's really tannic blah 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 just a normal regular couple come in and say oh can we try you we see you make a red wine we've never heard of Sacramento don't know what it is can we try a glass please what do they say what's their first impression normally they really love Sagrantino at the nose because it's very clean and very straight you can recognize uh, very easily the red berries on it so people really love uh, this kind of uh, style, very fresh and very genuine one. And when they taste it? And then when they taste, they say, I never tasted a, a wine like this. So when they, when they say that, what do they mean? Something that's very has a strong personality? It has got a strong personality on the mouth and it is uh, unique. So you, um, you absolutely have to try it once in and, your life. But are they happy though? Do they say, well, we, we need to buy a bottle of that because um, we've never tried anything like that before do they think oh that Sagrantino is not for me usually they bring some bottle at home and they became ambassador of Sagrantino they want also the friend to taste Sagrantino which is great I mean that just shows sometimes how you know if you read articles on Sagrantino every time I get asked to write an article on something you know the editor will always say oh you must mention you know the fact that it's, it's very tannic and da, da, da. and you think why don't we just talk about it's a it's a very individualistic red wine let's not talk about things that are going to give not a negative image but um, let's start start with something positive rather than something that's not positive not positive yes. yeah they yeah. should you know, it's, like, it's like if you said every time you write an article on Chardonnay you have to say it's a really boring grape Chardonnay is a really boring grape but in Burgundy they make quite a Chardonnay you would never do that would you no you wouldn't no you know but you kind of get you know, God, anyway, so um, right, so okay, I just want to say thanks to Giusy Moretti from the Moretti Omero winery in the Montefalco region in Umbria. It's a historic uh, winery, very family oriented, organic farming, and a fantastic um, cooking school. Definitely worth a visit. Grazie, grazie. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.